Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, July 27th, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. I apologize that things are a little off schedule today. Uh, as you might have heard, I wanted to see Legally Blonde, the musical, at the Muni on Tuesday night. That did not happen. As you probably heard, there were devastating floods throughout the St. Louis area. They received between 9 and 10 inches, creating very dangerous situations. Hundreds of people had to be rescued either from their homes or from their cars, and unfortunately, one person did lose their life as of now. In response, the Muni, who posted on social media that they had had some pretty substantial flooding, you can go to their Instagram, I know, and see videos of their backstage area that uh, looks to have multiple feet of water. But because of that, uh, my original flight from Las Vegas to St. Louis was canceled. Uh, I will talk about how I did finally make it back to St. Louis a little bit later in the show. But Grace and I were supposed to record shortly after I returned on my original flight, but with all of the delays and all of the changes, again, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, Grace had to do tech for To Free a Mockingbird, which starts tonight, Wednesday, July 27th at the She NYC Festival at the Connolly Theater. Not only is it the first performance of Grace's run, it is the first performance of the entire festival, and it will include a Broadway radio talkback hosted by former Playbill social media manager and podcaster herself, Felicia Fitzpatrick, who is not only a friend of Grace's, but has been a guest on uh, Tell Me on a Sunday. So if you are in or around New York City and don't have anything to do on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, the Connolly Theater, there will be a link in the show notes for you to get tickets. All right, let's get into the news. And the first item really isn't news as much as it is confirmation. In a previous episode, Ashley and Grace had discussed the reports that the August Wilson revival of The Piano Lesson will be moving theaters in order to allow for an extension of the previously thought to be very limited run of Into the Woods. It was confirmed on Tuesday that the first ever revival of the August Wilson Classic will move its 17-week engagement from the St. James Theater to the Ethel Barrymore. Originally, Into the Woods was expected to close on August 21st, giving the piano lesson just enough time to have the Sondheim musical load out and then the August Wilson play load in before it begins performances on September 19th. The opening night for the piano lesson has not officially been announced, but we know that many people had already purchased tickets to see this show. And in fact, our friend and listener, Deb Schrager, reached out on social media and said that not only has she purchased tickets for November, but in concert with the announcement of this change, she'd actually already received information about her new ch- new tickets over at the Barrymore. And while this is anecdotal, she said the tickets were extremely comparable. She had aisle seats at the St. James. She still has aisle seats relatively in the same area at the Barrymore. We will inevitably hear an announcement about an extension for Into the Woods soon, maybe even today on Wednesday. The New York City Center Twitter account has been posting cryptic clues as it did before the revival. They posted an emoji of beans, which, you know, new things are popping up. So I would very much expect to see that announcement come, if not on Wednesday, sometime by the end of the week. What'll be interesting to see is who will remain with the show. Are they going to be able to keep everybody from this production together for longer? How long will the extension be? Will it transition into an open-ended run? So many of these people are in-demand stars, both on stage and screen. That'll be interesting to see if they are able to keep them together through the end of the year, through the holidays, uh, into Tony season, who knows? But we don't exactly know the answers to all of those questions just yet. One thing that we undoubtedly know is that within the coming days, by next week at the absolute latest, but I would be shocked 
shocked if it goes that long, we will be getting an extension announcement of the Into the Woods Broadway revival at the St. James Theater. Next up, Broadway is welcoming in a new, but also not so new, Simba at the Lion King on Broadway. During a scheduled leave of absence from current Broadway Simba, Brandon A. McCall, which will be going from last night, actually, Tuesday, July 26th through Tuesday, August 23rd. The great Jelani Remy, former Broadway radio guest, will be stepping back into the role that he previously played in Las Vegas on the North American tour and on Broadway. So you have until August 23rd to see Jelani play Simba and to strut around Pride Rock. He's absolutely one of the best. Uh, I had a conversation with him, I think, last year in the podcast feed, if you want to listen to that. But he is absolutely an incredible talent and an even better human. All right, speaking of shows welcoming in new cast members, let's turn from Broadway to a national tour. Yesterday, casting was announced for the North American tour of Tina the Tina Turner Musical, which will have its technical rehearsals and soft launch at the Providence Performing Arts Center in Providence, Rhode Island on September 11th before it goes out on 30-city national tour in its first year. And while the Broadway production did use alternates throughout its run, this time the cast is being led by not one, but two principal Tinas. Naomi Rogers, who is on Broadway in Frozen, and Zern Villanueva, who is in The Lion King, Mean Girls, Shuffle Along, and The Book of Mormon on Broadway, will split the role evenly, each playing four of the eight performances per week. Also starring are Garrett Turner as Ike, no relation as far as I know, Roz White as Zelma Bullock, Ann Nesby as Gran, and Lyle Van Curen as Rhonda. I think this is really smart. Everyone who followed Adrian Warren on social media knew what a physical toll that this role took on their body between the vocal strain that you have to put on to do something even approaching a Tina Turner voice, and then the physical pounding that your body takes with all of that high energy dancing. I think this is really smart and a really good move to protect the talent that you bring into your show by the production. So uh, bravo to Tina, the Tina Turner musical. All right, moving back off Broadway yesterday, Theater for a New Audience announced their 43rd season to kick off this fall at the Polanski Shakespeare Center in Brooklyn. And as always, it is littered with a bunch of really, really interesting things. I'm just going to run through them really quickly and give you the highlights. But if you want to see more details, head over to the show notes. The season will kick off on September 10th and running through October 9th will be Remember This, The Lesson of Jan Karski or Jan Karski. I'm not sure. Either one. Um, It is written by Clark Young and Derek Goldman. Goldman will also direct, and this is a one-person show that'll star David Stratham. Next up from November 29th through the 1st of January 2023 is the show Des Moines, which is one of the places that I had a layover uh, on Tuesday, more of that later, uh, by the, the late playwright Dennis Johnson. It'll be directed by Aaron Arbus, who most recently directed the John Douglas Thompson, Merchant of Venice, that played at uh, Tafana last year, early this year. I'm not sure which one, Uh, but she's fantastic. So that'll be interesting to see what she does with this show. Then they're going to have a a special intimate workshop uh, presentation of two shows being done in rep. These are script in hand workshops of both Richard III and Henry IV, both parts one and two combined. Um, The first, Richard II, will just be the reading of Shakespeare's script. Um, That'll be done in rep with a condensed Henry IV adapted by Dakin Matthews. Yes, old Joe himself. 
the judge in To Kill a Mockingbird himself, the guy that's been in practically every TV show and movie you've ever seen himself. Uh, I did not realize that he was also a writer, so this is very exciting. It will be directed by Eric Tucker, the artistic director of the Bedlam Theater Company, which we talked about the other day. Um, he is doing two shows in rep for Bedlam, uh, including one Shakespeare, so he will definitely have a lot of experience doing that this coming season. That will run from January 26th through February 5th. Next up will be an English adaptation of the Spanish Golden Age masterpiece Fuente Ivona, uh, written in 1612 uh, by Lope de Vega. That will run from April 29th through May 28th. And then Theater for New Audience will do Tennessee Williams' Orpheus Descending, featuring Christopher Abbott and the great Maggie Sith from Mad Men and uh, Sons of Anarchy and Billions. Uh, she is a phenomenal actress. That'll be directed by Erica Schmidt, who is uh, one of the best uh, working as well. Uh, that show will run from July 9th through August 6th of 2023. Next up on Tuesday, Premieres NYC announced a casting change for their upcoming New York premiere of Ellen Fitzhugh and Michael John LeCuse's Los Otros, a musical in one act. Uh, Fitzhugh wrote the book and lyrics and LeCuse wrote the music. Originally, when this, this production was announced back in April, it was to star Carolee Carmelo and Javier Munoz, but now the show will feature Luba Mason and Cesar Samoa, uh, Luba coming off off the run of Girl from the North Country and Cesar Samoa coming off of Come From Away. The previews for the show will begin on August 24th and it will have a limited run through October 8th. All right, let's run into last week's Broadway grosses. Overall, the main stem actually saw a 2% increase in grosses despite the drop of one show from the previous week. They brought in $29,531,601. The attendance stayed essentially flat. They actually dropped, uh, looks like a high... 127 people, so more or less pretty much the same. The biggest climber week over week was The Lion King, but you'll remember, despite the fact that they moved up a little over $304,000, I noted last week that they were the biggest dropper because they went from eight shows to seven shows. Well, they made up for that this week by going from eight to seven back to nine, as they are allowed to do by equity contract, and uh, they were the biggest jumpers. The biggest jumper that did not add an extra show was probably unsurprisingly Dear Evan Hansen. It moved up nearly $266,000. I'm assuming primarily because of the Broadway return of Stranger Things star Gatton Matarazzo. The only other show to increase over 100K was Company, which jumped up 110-ish thousand dollars to put it back over $1 million per week. Uh, of course, unsurprisingly, The Music Man was still the only show above $3 million, coming in at $3,016,700 even. It was followed by The Lion King at $2.4 million, then Hamilton came in at $2.25, Into the Woods at $1.89, and Wicked rounding out the top five at $1.85. Following in descending order, the rest of the shows that were in the Seven Figures Club were Cursed Child, MJ the Musical, Aladdin 6, Moulin Rouge, Company, Phantom of the Opera, and Beetlejuice just creeping in there at $1,001,210. The Book of Mormon, as it often is, is right around $1 million, coming in at about $16,500 below the six-figure mark. 
Down at the other end of the scale was the Kite Runner that did a full eight show week, five of them in previews, three of them after opening. It actually dropped $53,890, probably because of all of the press and comp tickets that went out leading up to the opening. It brought in just $277,621. The minutes in its final week was next on the ladder, bringing in at $291,867, but that was an increase of almost $63,400 in its final week. Then we saw POTUS next up, which actually Actually climbed $57,000, Chicago, which picked up $25K, and then Come From Away, increasing $27,000. Sixth from the bottom was Mr. Saturday Night, which also saw a pretty healthy $44,000 increase, perhaps because of the closing announcement. We've talked often about the fact that the Schubert seem to be pushing folks out of houses. It'll be interesting to see if any other shows decide to close between now and Labor Day. I think they would have to announce fairly soon because whether they're in a Schubert house or somewhere or else they're going to want to have a show ready to get in there and load in sometime in the fall to take advantage of the holidays. I think we're probably getting to the point here in the next couple weeks where it's unlikely that any other shows will announce a closing and then another show come in. We could still see some shows closing, but it would probably result in a dark house during the holidays. Uh, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I did want to mention that one of the most influential and acclaimed regional theater artistic directors has decided to move from one major regional theater to another, and that is the Alliance Theater in Atlanta's Susan V. Booth, who is leaving that artistic director position to return to Chicago's Goodman Theater, where she had previously served as a literary manager. She will be replacing Robert Falls, who announced that he would be stepping down after 35 years on the job. Booth is directing the season opener at the Alliance and then will take over at the Goodman at the beginning of October. Having lived in Atlanta, seen many shows at the Alliance, I, I cannot tell you how incredibly powerful of an artistic director she is. I've had the chance to, to interview her once or twice, and all of the actors I know in Atlanta who have had the opportunity to work with her rave about her. Um, in an article uh, published in the Chicago Tribune by Chris Jones, she talks about the fact that this is a time of seismic changes in the theater industry, and I cannot think of a better person to helm a revered regional theater company in one of the hotbeds of theatrical talent like Chicago than Susan V. Booth. All right, real quick, I, I've had so many people reach out to me about the fact that they knew I was going to Legally Blonde on Tuesday night, only to have that performance canceled. Yes, it is my luck. I am not surprised in the least. This was bound to happen. The rest of my trip was going just too well. Um, but it actually started at 4.30-ish, uh, 4.15-ish Pacific time when I was getting ready to head to the airport. I was supposed to fly out at like 6.25, uh, and I got an alert from uh, my airline saying that my flight had been canceled. I then went onto the app, and nothing looked different. And everything said my flight was still on time. By the time I got to the airport, I'd gotten another one saying that I had been rebooked on a flight that was taking off at 1 p.m. Pacific time going through Dallas, even though Dallas had had a shooting incident at their airport. And then I would be getting to St. Louis at 10 p.m., which was an hour and 45 minutes after the scheduled curtain time for Legally Blonde. That was not going to work for me. Um, so I went up to the to the person at the counter. She tried everything she could. I even tried trying to see if I could fly into Kansas City or Louisville and rent a car to get there. Nothing was going on because of the horrific and, and tragic flooding that happened in St. Louis. Um, so she said, just go to your gate, 
get in there, get through security, keep checking on the app, go up to the gates of any flight leaving that you want to try to get on um, and see if they have anything. Went up to a gate that was going to Denver that then had a connection potentially to St. Louis. They couldn't get me on. I eventually saw something pop up on the app for one seat left to get from Las Vegas to Denver, then to Des Moines, then to St. Louis. I would land at about 4.45 Central Time in St. Louis. Um, That would put me there in plenty of time for the 8.15 curtain. (laughs) By the time I got to Des Moines, I'd had an email from the press rep at the meeting saying they were canceling the show. So I was not in a big hurry um, for anything, but you know, for the most part, Uh, The travel was super easy. I stayed on the same plane from Las Vegas all the way to St. Louis, so I never had to get off. Although being on a plane for, I think I said it was like six and a half hours, was a long time, but it wasn't bad. I got snacks beforehand. I read my book. I've got like three chapters left in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Anna Waterhouse's Mycroft and Sherlock, which is a great book. I suggest you read all three of their Mycroft Holmes books. I've read the first one. This is the second one. I've got the third one waiting for me at home. But obviously my travel plans are the least important thing to have to do with this flooding. Um, I am a little nervous that there is scheduled to be more rain coming through overnight here in St. Louis, starting at around 3 a.m., going to 9 a.m. I hope that we do not see another rash of floods going on overnight as well. Fortunately, it is scheduled to stop raining at 9, um, at least as of now, and it's not supposed to rain for the rest of the day. So assuming that the damage is not too bad overnight, hopefully, knock on wood, Um, I'm still able to see Legally Blonde on Wednesday night. I'm flying out on Friday, so I really only have Wednesday and Thursday opportunities to see the show, and you all know how much it means to me to see it, especially here in St. Louis with that cast. Um, But I'll keep you updated, obviously, and I appreciate everybody reaching out. I had a ton of people do it on social media and through email. Um, I really appreciate you worrying about my mental health uh, with the cancellation of the performance, but I'm going to see it, I hope, uh, on Wednesday night. All right, everybody, that's all we have. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. Uh, have a wonderful Wednesday, everybody. And uh, we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>